Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Directing traffic from the base of the ruck, it's Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball with the Rugby Run on SCNZ. for Wellington. If it goes over, then Canterbury can't win, but he's got to hurry up. Reuben Love steps up, nails it! And now they know. Wellington, they are just seconds away from glory. All they need to do is take the ball down and get rid of it. Canterbury come through. Wellington have got it. TJ Pettinata centre back and Peter Lockery puts it into the stands. What a year 2022 has been for the Wellington Lions. They've done the double. Ran Philly Shield and now champions of the Bunnings NPC. One and a half minutes after one, yes, welcome into this Sunday afternoon. It is an absolutely beautiful day here. This is the Rugby Run. I think it's officially called the Rugby Run. I was going to call it the sidestep. Anyway, uh, congratulations to Wellington getting up over Canterbury yesterday, 26 points to 18. Got to say, watch the game. Very, very impressed indeed by what we are seeing with this Wellington outfit. We will have Shane Howarth on the programme very shortly, an independent to reflect on this final. We will open the lines on 0800 150811. That's 0800 150811. If you want to be part of the programme, you can also text us here on 8833. We will get plenty of reaction out of Wellington as well. We will bring you all the audio. And then in addition to that, after three o'clock, we are going to look back on a very good victory by the Black Caps over Australia in the T20 World Cup. Garth Galloway on the programme. So plenty to talk about. There's a number of rugby issues that I do want to discuss as well. Players heading off on sabbaticals, um, Mapasua, the Samoan coach, scratching his head at why the All Blacks are constantly picking up Polynesian and Pacific talent, arguably at their expense. I'm not sure that New Zealand appreciates when it is done to them. I'm not sure that a lot of New Zealanders appreciate the fact that the likes of Jamison Gibson Park, James Lowe, perhaps were playing for Ireland. But until things tighten up, or I guess until there's the opportunity for Pacific Island players to make a lot of money playing for the Pacific Islands, there is always going to be that desire and need to want to play for New Zealand or play for a country which is perhaps going to 
set you up for the rest of your life or certainly put you in very good stead for when your rugby career is over. So I 800 is the number here on the programme. I just um, quickly want to give you a couple of thoughts. I thought, I, I suffer... Amua, why he's not actually one of the three hookers that's in the All Blacks at the moment is beyond me. I think he is just better informed than Dane Coles, without doubt. I think he should be there. This Duplessis Karevi, absolutely superb last night, as was Peter Luckey. Ruben Love. Haven't watched a lot of Reuben Love. Was scratching my head when Sean Stevenson missed out on that so-called All Black 15. But I've got to say, I can understand perhaps why he has been picked now. But just their ruck speed last night. Just their dominance up front. Very, very impressive. And while I think Canterbury have probably the forwards, just lacked something a little bit last night in their back line, didn't they? They were smothered. In fact, the second half reminded me a little bit like the Super Rugby final when the Crusaders just smothered the Blues. And I sort of sense that's what Wellington did yesterday against Canterbury. Anyway, joining us on the programme now is a man I've got huge respect for, played for both the All Blacks and Wales. His name is Shane Howth. Afternoon to you, Shane. Welcome. Afternoon, Wado. Thanks, mate. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Did you manage to watch the NPC final last night? Absolutely. Yeah, look. Uh, uh, Absolutely. Uh, uh, okay, <laughs> and you're you're a little bit of a neutral. So, look, I think everybody was no, hoping. I wanted Wellington to win. Yeah, so did I. So did I. I think everybody wanted Wellington <laughs> to win. Just to mix it up a little bit, I think everyone's just sick and tired yeah. of the Canterbury Frick domination. Canterbury winning everything. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So, so where did where did Wellington win this last night? Oh, I thought all over the park. I, I thought, um, you know, they really stepped up. And I thought Duplessis Karifi was... I, their, their loose forward trio, um, I think we're going to hear a lot about them in future years because I thought I thought physically they were outstanding in that area. And, and you know, that's where I thought they, they... For me, that's where they won it through there. And... and that Ruben Love's not a bad rugby player, is he? Um, and so they had strike power out wide. You know, Julian, I don't, you know, even though he's a little bit probably past his best, is still a danger. Um, but Ruben Love, gee whiz, he was impressive. Yeah, it's interesting. When he was named in that All Black 15 to tour and Sean Stevenson was left out, I was sort of scratching my head because I hadn't seen a lot of Ruben Love, but I've just sort of said in my opening, I can see why. He is so highly regarded. There was, I mean, a little bit of Ben Smith about him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and because he's tried, he's been tried at ten in Super Rugby, and that's probably why we haven't seen um, the true worth of, of Ruben. The fact that he can play both is definitely an asset. But he just looks at home at fullback, um, you know. And that, I think it was Duplessis Karifi that made the break that put him away. I might be stand corrected on that, but. Um, the, the speed he showed um, to get, you know, to run the 45, 50 metres he had to go showed he had a bit of toe, but he's also, what I like about him is his kicking game, you know, it's pretty on, on spot, and that's what you need as a as a fullback. 
and um and he stepped up and goal kicked when Aiden Aiden Morgan missed a couple, which I thought, oh gee, I hope it doesn't come back to bite them in the bum. But um, so he stood up calmly, swallowed the goal that that made sure they won the final. So yeah, there's there's a lot to like about the young fella. Mm. Asafa Amua. I mean, we talk about ball carrying forwards. We talk about mobility. I'm just amazed that he still can't make. I know he's been called up for injury cover at the moment, but I'm still amazed that he can't get in the All Blacks ahead of Dane Coles or Cody Taylor. Mm, I would agree with that, Watto. I would absolutely agree with that. I mean, Samasoni Takiaho has, has cemented his place, hasn't he? He's just absolutely. A beast, but um, but Asafa, well, yeah, I, I'm not sure what more he has to do to put himself ahead of, of those two guys. Now, I know there's probably a bit of loyalty rolling in there, but purely as a, as a footy player, as they are at the present state, um, or should be should be ahead of those two guys, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, equally, just at first five eight, Fergus Burke for Canterbury, developing nicely, a typical sort of Cantabrian type player, really good percentage footballer, kicks well, good decision making. Then you got Jackson Garden Bashup, who's sort of a an unseemly looking player. He doesn't fit that sort of traditional rugby build that you expect these days from backs, but he likes to take the line on. I, I just scratched yep. my head there too yesterday, thinking how does Gatland? get into that all-black 15 over two players like that? Yeah, I think the problem with, with Jackson is he, he's, there's been a bit of inconsistency. However, I think through this NPC campaign, he, he's shown that you know he's cemented the 10 spot. He does attack the line well. He made a couple of lovely half-breaks that, that set them free last night. Um, and I think it's probably just a wee bit late, but I think if he carries that form on um, and takes him, you know, he's sort of... With with Super Rugby, he was kind of like I said, just a little bit inconsistent. But if he takes that NPC form to the next level, then I, he's got to be knocking on the door, or at least being talked about in, in selection discussions. Mm-hmm. I thought the one thing that was quite amusing, and I think it almost cost Wellington in the finish, and that was the substitution of TJ Perinara. I'm not sure why the teams continue to do this, why they preordain guys to come mm. off at a certain point when the guy's playing well. He doesn't look like he's out of steam. And then it almost felt like a little bit of moral corruption to get him back on the field at the end, where a forward, you know, replaced, <laughs> replaced a forward with a guy yeah. that's already left the park. And I thought, hey, hang on a minute here, guys. You don't want to tarnish this victory. Mm, I I just wonder if in the back of the minds in the coaching box they thought they'd had the game won. Um, that's the only reason I think you take someone of TJ's um, experience and and fight and and mongrel. Um, that's the re- that would be the only reason I think you'd take it off that they thought they had it in the bag. And then I thought when Canterbury scored that blink and try, I thought here we go. This is um, this is gonna something's gonna happen here. But Wellington's defence off that kickoff. Um, from the late try from Canterbury was was outstanding, um, and it got them it rewarded them with a penalty, and and that's where Ruben Love won the game. But yeah, I, personally, if I was in the coaching box, I wouldn't have taken TJ off. It's too much fight in, the, in him, and, and it's too much experience and in that cauldron to have, to have done that. Um, but thankfully, it didn't cost them. We we were Canterbury disappointing. Where did they get this wrong last night? Oh look, I, I thought physically they, they they were beaten up front. I just I just thought the the Wellington pack had it on them, and Canterbury's very disciplined and, and very strong up front, but they just didn't seem to give the, give the backline much much front foot. In, in, in my opinion, I just thought I thought they were physically outmuscled by by what was, and it was an excellent Wellington performance. You know, Canterbury were weren't bad last night. They just they were just beaten by by a side that was on fire. Mm-hmm. 
how much emphasis is placed? You, you talked about some, you know, there were key moments, and you talk about from the kickoffs, you score, and then from the kickoff, you turn possession over, or you make mistakes, and suddenly you find yourself back mm. under pressure. How much emphasis is placed on exiting from the kickoff? Yeah, look, I, and, and by and large, down through through the Crusaders down to Canterbury, they're very good at their exiting. It just, I just think they they just got that one a bit muddled. They isolated a guy, and, and that was where the turnover was. And it, it is it's crucial when you're in that area that you can't leave a guy isolated, um, going into any sort of of ruck or any sort of physical contact because, you know, like I said, Wellington they were hungry. Their loose forward trio. Um, we're onto everything, and and so that was only a millisecond of a of an isolation, but it, it just meant Wellington could get on the ball, and um and it just didn't allow Canterbury to to get the exit that they would have wanted. Mm-hmm. I just, just I just want to come back to the Wellington loose forward trio. Look at the moment, we've got Sam Kane, Shannon Frizzell, Akira Wani, Dalton Papalihi, Artie Sevier, and Hoskins Satuto are our loose forward makeup for the All Blacks mm. end of the year tour. Is there enough time prior to the World Cup? for the likes of Caleb Delaney, Duplessis, Karifi, who I think, like you, just was superb last night, and Peter Luckey to actually yeah, make a play for the All Blacks here? Yeah, I, you know, I thought the combination of those boys, and Luckey, you know, I hadn't seen a lot of him, um, but, geez, he's not a bad footy player. Um, and they've got a really good combination, you know, that Luckey's the, the, the powerful carrier. Um, Duplessis, Karifi's on the ball everywhere, and Delaney's... Um, kind of allowed to get in and do all the, all the hard work. And it'll be, I guess it'll be what happens with the All Blacks on this Northern Tour as to whether spots open up or spots get cemented. Mm. Um, and I think it, it's a very crucial tour and that, you know, the guys that have gone with the All Blacks squad, they can cement their, their place in the World Cup or alternatively they can, they can play themselves out of it. So I think that the Northern Tour is going to be very, very crucial um, to see who cements their spot and who leaves a spot open for the likes of Karifi or Lakai or someone to come in, you know, and and, and remove them from that. Mm-hmm. Just on that, and we'll segue into it. I mean, you've played for Wales. You understand the Northern Hemisphere. Have they got their best chance of beating the All Blacks, do you believe, in a couple of weeks? Haven't beaten the All Blacks since 1953. Is this their best chance? Mm. Oh look, it's a it's a bit of a hoodoo, and and I'm not sure that that it'll be knocked on the head because the the hard thing is, um, the All Blacks um, have been playing up till recently. I think the last game was about a month ago, whereas Wales haven't like they haven't played rugby for a while. So and they're the first test. So generally, um, you know, I I think the All Blacks will get over over the Welsh. It's the Scottish that will be a very interesting game because people write Scotland off, but under Gregor Townsend, they've become quite a good footy mm. side. Um, you know whether they have the strength up front to to um, allow it to free their backs because Gregor Townsend was a fantastic running ball footy player, and you see that in Scotland. But they've got to get the front um, foot. So that Scottish game is going to be a very interesting one. And then England. Um, well, we know what England brings. Mm. So are we going to be? Are we going to match that and get through them? So I'm really looking forward to this tour to see. You know, the outcome of, of the games. But look, I'd love my, my whole Welsh boys to get over them, but I can't see it. 
Mm-hmm. Shane Howe with my guest on the programme, former All Black, former Welsh International as well. Uh, Shane, just getting back to the MPC, um, disappointing crowd last night again. Uh, stadium really, well, mm. I'd argue wasn't even half full. So what are we looking at? Maybe seven, yeah. 8,000 people turning up. And this is Canterbury we're talking about, who have a rich history, who have an expectation, the last bastion of hope when it comes to rugby. Uh, how, how much trouble are we in here domestically? I mean, what does New Zealand rugby need to do? Uh, is the game being neglected at an MPC level, do you think? think well i mean the crowds are, are saying it isn't it like watching auckland um wellington semi um you know there was there was it wasn't a big crowd was it wellington auckland semi yeah it was yeah yeah in wellington auckland, yep. yeah yeah and um uh, that wasn't i mean sky stadium looked fairly empty so that and that's that's that is a worry um because you know this is the and every time you go overseas or every time I've been overseas, people just talk about the NPC and, and the players that come through and, you know, the, the little baby nursery it is of, of New Zealand rugby, and it is. The concern is that um, how do we get that back to the crowds coming in? And I guess mm. a big thing is that back when I was playing, All Blacks were playing. So the NPC final, all the All Blacks were playing in it. Mm. Um, it doesn't happen that way now. Um, and, and I think, I don't know whether there's got to be a way to look at getting them back involved in the NPC because that's the way you'll get crowds in. Mm. You know, they, they, they want to come and see the Sam Whitelocks. They want to come and see the, the Sam Canes and, and, and the Waikato and Bay of Plenty jersey. You know, imagine if Sam Canes playing for Bay, you know, to fill the tower on the domain. You know, that's that's what they want, and I think that's that's the problem at the moment is there's no All Blacks there. Um, so the attraction... For the for the crowds probably isn't what it, what it would be if an All Blacks running around on the field or if five or six All Blacks are running mm. around on the field. So I think that, I don't know how they do it. What I I haven't got the answer to it, but I'd love to see All Blacks playing more NPC because then it gives more credence to the NPC. Well, yeah, but it's also starting to creep into Super Rugby, isn't it? It wasn't that long yeah. ago that you missed the first four or five games too because you were tired, mm. and then you know you've still yeah. got their All Blacks, even though sometimes they miss week after week of injury, they still have that mandatory week off, which is because they've been an All Black. Um, I, I mean, I look at the Auckland performance against Wellington in that semi final. I think, man, is this the best players Auckland Club Rugby has to offer and you know I sort of cynically think to myself well Auckland New Zealand Rugby believe as long as St Kennigan's and King's College are continuing to deliver talent we're going to be okay (laughs) I mean it's a it's a bygone era and I hate people saying in my day but I I was lucky when I came up through Maris I had All Blacks playing alongside me which made me a far better player when I was in Auckland it was just full of All Blacks so it helped you as a as a player um, to progress and, and to become better. Um, and it, as I said, it, it drew crowds because, um, you know, that's how it was. I don't know how they're going to do it, Watto, because there is a lot of rugby now. You know, Super Rugby starting in Feb and then bloody do that. They, they play the, the um, July, June, July test matches and then, they, then they're in, um, into the, the Northern Hemisphere tours. So... Um, whether whether you can get players into MPC, I'd love to see it, but uh, I'm just not sure how they can do it. Okay, look, other topic I just want to touch on with you, because I'm not a big fan at all. I, I'm just over players taking these so-called sabbaticals. Um, and this is a way mm. of New Zealand being able to prop up their incomes, <laughs> not at their expense, yeah. but at the same time, you know, in 2024, 
Wellington Hurricanes fans are not going to be able to see Geordie Barrett, not going to be able to see Artie Sevier because they're going to be playing in Japan. I mean, to me, if the if the aura of the All Black jersey, if you need to stay here and be given all of those incentives to play for the All Blacks, as far as I'm concerned, you should just bugger off and go. Yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? It's um, it's the chicken and the egg, really. If you say no, they're gone. Um, Are they gone though? I, 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 well, I mean, yeah, it's speculation, isn't it? But if if you know Artie Sevier came up and said, oh, "I want a sabbatical," no, sorry, mate. Then he's probably going to head over to Japan and, and play full time or head to Europe. I would assume. Um, yeah, and, and then and, and then and then what you do is you go and take. Duplessy Karifi, and you go and pick Peter Lackey, and you say, "Do you want to be an All Black gentleman?" And we move on. You know, we yeah. seem to we we seem to go out of our way, don't we, to try and keep these marquee players here, but do nothing in mm. regarding keeping our top coaches here. Let's just go. If you're not Steve Hansen and you're not part of the crew, go take all our intellectual property overseas and just disappear. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can I can understand your frustration. I, I and you know, a part of me goes, "Yeah, if, if I'm not sure about sabbaticals, I never never have been." However. Do you want to keep the player? But you've just put a good point in, you know. If, if Artie goes, well then, Dubasek Briefy here's your chance, or Peter Lakai here's your chance to to go through and and become an All Black. So I think we'll always have that um, player behind. Um, so yeah, I can't argue with what you're saying there. Okay, look, Shane, I appreciate you coming on the program. Fresh Choice, Mungaree Bridge, the finest supermarket in all of the country. I imagine you've got some wonderful Labour Weekend specials. I mean, the service is simply remarkable. Your, your, your fresh produce is, well, it's a cut above anything. Thank you very much, Wada. I'll pay you later. No, no, you don't need to pay me, mate. I say it because I believe <laughs> in it, mate. I travel from Uruguay just to shop in your store. Cheers, mate. Thank appreciate you. it. Lovely. Thank you. Thanks, Sh- Shane Howard there on the program. Uh, former All Black, played for Wales, former assistant coach for Auckland. You can have your say now on 0800 150 The lines are open. 0800 150 You can text us here on 8833. Canterbury fans like to hear from you. Where did it go wrong last night? Wellington fans, and this will just be interesting to see whether anyone actually cares. Are you going to have a ticker tape parade for this Wellington team? Are we going to shut down the main street? Big talking points for me. Asafa Amua should be one of the three All Blacks, one of the three hookers in the All Blacks. In fact, I'd have him just behind Samasoni Takiahi. I think he's that good. Duplessy Karifi, simply superb. I'd have Peter Lakai, Duplessy Karifi, and I don't. I'm, I, I probably need to see a bit more of Caleb Delaney. I would have those two players head of Hoskins Satutu and Akira Awani right now. I think the two that I've mentioned, I just think Hoskins Satutu is just not physical enough and I think Akira Awani is just, well, I just don't think he's there. I think when it, he's a bully boy, but I think when he gets bullied in a rugby game, I think he disappears. 0800-150-811 is the number. We are taking your calls. Any of those other matters that we did bring up, and I know some of it we're sort of redredging a little bit, um, but just that whole thing around sabbaticals, just go. I've got no time for it. Just go. You know, I've heard that of the 14 provincial rugby unions, only two of them are going to be in the red. 
are actually going to end up coming out of this financially okay. These are provincial rugby unions. Yet, you know, our players, who aren't actually winning that much at the moment, are all driving around in European cars and beachfront apartments and beautiful homes in some of the most expensive suburbs in Auckland. It's just something not quite right about the model in this country. 0800 150 text that has come in from Ken. Mark, sounds like Bell, McAllister, both unlikely for New Zealand 15. Sounds like broken toe and ACL issues. Hopefully, Kurt Eklund gets his chance. Yeah, I'd like to see Kurt Eklund get in. I've got to be. I've got to um, say that uh, watching last night, I can't understand what the fascination around Bodie McAllister is at all. Other than the fact he's a Cantabrian. Twenty-eight and a half minutes after one. Uh, look, Dave's text and he's one hundred percent correct. Hey, Wado, listening to your uh, sense at Foxton Beach while fishing. I think you mean two unions in the black. The rest will be in the red. Correct? Yeah. Look, I've got to say a little bit flat this afternoon. Didn't sleep too well last night. Been just struggling and. If I was out playing cricket at the moment, I would be swinging and missing outside off stump with the new ball. In fact, I'd probably be back in the pavilion at the moment. I'm sort of hoping as the afternoon progresses, and I feel like I'm now starting to get my eye in, that eventually by the end of the day, like the Black Caps against Australia last night, starting to hit beach balls. By the way, we will talk cricket after three o'clock as well, but first two hours here on a Sunday afternoon is dedicated to rugby. So 0800 150 811 is the number. Graham, good afternoon. Welcome. Hey, Mark. How are you? Good, mate. You okay? Hope, hope your birthday went well the other day. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, look, it did. I commentated semi-finals of the Defence Force yeah. Women's Rugby World Cup, so it was great. Yeah, you and Steve. Yeah, Steve Harris, actually. Yeah, we did. Oh. It's going well, actually. Yeah, we got the yeah, final. We got the man. finals on um, Tuesday at College Rifles here in Auckland. So we've got oh, the Defence Ferns taking on France, and then for third and fourth, it is Australia taking on a very, very good Fijian team who are very unlucky to lose to France. Actually, yeah. Well, that'd be good. Mm. They've always yeah been strong on the defence army side of things. Yeah, they so, do. So they'd be good. Well, yeah. good rugby players, as we know. Um, yeah, no. Um, yeah, just well. It's good for the rest of the country, but obviously I was pretty. Um, yeah, I felt a bit of a flat performance by Canterbury, but Wellington, you know, um, it was an inter- interesting game from a Canterbury point of view because I think Wellington just um, had a bit, quite a bit more oomph, you know, in their game plan. No, you know, Canterbury didn't get going. Um, no, really, well, look, I, look from Manasseh Mataali's try, which was Fijian player, <laughs> typical try by him was brilliant, but um, there wasn't enough of that. Um, X Factor. No, look, a couple of things that I liked about Wellington from day one, they took their three points on offer, as did Canterbury. So put the scoreboard pressure on, keep it ticking oh, over. Yeah. We don't see enough of that. We've moved too far away from that. Teams just kicking for the corners, going for the seven rather than taking the three. But um, yeah, look, it's interesting because Wellington, I think, just came in with the momentum. You often see it in the NRL. It's that team that just gets that momentum yep. at the right time of the year, where I think Canterbury have won a lot of games this year. But even against Northland, still at times didn't look oh, like... Yeah. Still didn't look like the Canterbury of old, you know. And I mean, you've got Owen Franks, you've got Dominic Gardner, uh, you've got some experience. But I don't know, as you just mentioned, when you look at Xavier Numia, you look at Asafar Amua, um, as we already discussed, the likes of Duplessis, Karifi, Peter Lakai, they're just, just, just so explosive, weren't they? Oh, they were. 
Yeah, especially um, Lakai and Karefi. Um, yeah, I think that. Yeah, I, I think yeah, Dominic Gardner. You know, he's was playing at lock, and you know, I think he's a blindside flanker. You know, they probably should have started Romano. I thought because um, I think with Dominic Bird there, you know, that Wellington side physicality wise, it's where they they you know they hit them, and um, we knew Amoa was going to be different, <laughs> uh, difficult to me. Um, you know, and he. he they contained him up to a point, but he probably, you know, he didn't, you know, they they got on top of Canterbury, and um, yeah, no, I thought, yeah, no, they they dominated them, and they did go, they did start off badly the season in Wellington, but they were a team on the trajectory trajectory upwards. So, mm. um, and that's, I I was, yeah, I was pretty fearful about the, the game. I thought this is going to be tough, but I hope we do it. I thought home ground advantage. Um, in fact, we hadn't done that well the last couple of years, but it um, wasn't to be. Yeah, so, um, you know, a big, big season for Wellington. But please, with Canterbury's improvement from last two two years ago, particularly. But, yeah, no. Um, hey, um, how, how concerning was that crowd last night? I mean, it looked good on TV because they were just covering one side of the field, but you could immediately see the moment they took a line out from the crowd side that there was really nobody on the other side of the ground. It looked a little... Well, they stuck us all on one side of the field this year, so <laughs> that's yeah. why. Yeah, on the north stand. <laughs> so um, yes, yeah, so it was actually well, it was a lot better than the last two weeks. You know, whether people like the crowd, so, yeah, the, the crowd was the crowd. I mean, I'm not. Yeah. You know, Welling, Wellington, as you know, gets three thousand. We got probably, and you know, they might have got a bit more if they had a final like we did. But yeah, I mean, the crowd was better than the last two weeks. I mean, I don't. I, I haven't got the answer to the crowd problem because I go to all the games. No, you, know? you do. I mean, you, you're the dying breed, though, isn't it? But this is the MPC final in Canterbury who have a history, have a legacy, who yep. are the last sort of... And Wellington's a bitter rival, yeah, you know, and, and during the week. Couldn't even get close to selling it out. And you, you know the thing that doesn't know me, you say the crowd have been all put on one side of the stadium and you see it with the Women's World Cup going on at the moment. Yeah, same, same. A, lot, a, yeah. lot of, a lot of the camera shots are actually really tight, so you can't actually see the lack of crowds. And I'm getting a little bit annoyed by the propaganda and the spin New Zealand rugby are putting on oh, this yes. along with their broadcast partners to somehow make out that the game is in better shape than it actually is. And it's actually, you know, it, it, it's a false economy that they're presenting. Oh, I agree. You know, um, yeah, it's like the women's games, the provincial games were played here at Rugby Park, you know, and, and it wasn't it played it there. because Even though the crowds look, you know, it was the best place to have it because it, it was intimate and, um, you know, I think it's way better than playing down there where the men play. But um, it makes, you know, it's all done to <laughs> to stack the numbers, you know. It's not quite cooking the box, but you sort of, um, you know, it's like, um, you know, a band selling records, <laughs> buying its own records or CDs to get... To go up the charts, yeah, it's, there's a lot of that, and it's um, yeah, it's because it doesn't look good. I mean, Wellington get a hard time because they got that huge mm. stadium, and if you get three thousand or even five, it looks like there's five hundred there rather than five thousand because mm. they're all spread out. So you know, everyone else is trying to um, mm. you know, bunch them all hey, in. But hey, yeah, hey Graham, just quickly too though, um, this and I know we've spoken during the week, but this whole um, this whole just going on sabbaticals. Uh, I think we saw last night with Karifi and stuff that, you know, look, if Artie Sevier yep. was to somehow 
call New Zealand's bluff and decide that, well, you haven't given me a sabbatical, therefore I'm going overseas. I, I wouldn't be two-faced. I'd be disappointed that he's gone. But I, I, I just want people playing who actually love New Zealand rugby and money or no money just want to be all blacks and the dream they had as a kid is still well and truly alive in their 20s and early 30s Oh I agree yeah and Steve Lafitte Carefi you know I I think he's had a great year and you know I think Billy Harmon and Tom Christie you know even though Wellington won you know they've those guys have put their body on the line week after week you know the different types of players to each other and Carefi's Different and Lakai, you know, these guys, um, yeah, I, I mean, as good as Artie is, you know, you don't, I mean, the Hurricanes have got another year with him this year, and then it's another year off, and then it becomes, I don't know, it's just, it started with the yeah. McCaw Carter but, 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 era, but, and it's carried on since yeah, then. Yeah, my, my, point, my point, though, is that we, before we, you know, it started with Super Rugby, it started with NPC, now it's moving into Super Rugby as super. well, and, and that is another product where the crowds are just going to slowly drop off. Hey, Graham, lovely you have you on the programme and, and great humility being shown this afternoon. I know how much um, Canterbury does mean to you. Lovely to have you on the programme. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Here you go. 23 and a half minutes away from 2 o'clock. 0800 150 is the number text that's coming. Uh, people don't care about NPC. Yeah, on the station, people say it's their favourite. But people that listen to the station are hardcores. Uh, yeah, I don't disagree with that. I think all radio stations have got to be careful that you don't think that because people are texting on a certain sport that somehow that's the direction you always need to take. There's only a certain amount of people that are going to text a radio station. Um, yeah, I, I think a lot of organisations going forward who have traditionally relied on rugby as their currency need to read the room need to read actually what is happening out there in the marketplace and need to, like any business, adapt with change. Really important. I always make a point when I come in, um, you know, this is a rugby-specific show, but I like to just mix it up. I like to go completely left field because I'm confident that if you do it right, people who love sport or love rugby, love rugby league or whatever, are sports lovers, and therefore they will find other sport interesting. 0800 150 No one in Wellington cares because no one's phoning. Of the 3,000 people that do care, be nice to have someone phone. Or you're out in the bar celebrating the victory, getting ready for the ticker tape parade. You also won the Ranfurly Shield. Graham, you're the only one that cares about NPC in the entire country now, my good man. Are you listening, New Zealand Rugby? Are you listening? You're killing the game. All you're interested in is the bottom line. Look at the state of the Auckland NPC side. Is that the best players to come out of Auckland Club Rugby? If that's the best Auckland can do, Club Rugby is in a world of trouble. Canterbury, you had it about the MPC final was staged in Canterbury. That is Christchurch, people. They got about 6,000 there in New Zealand rugby. Please, please listen. Come on, forget just the bottom line. I'm watching mid Canterbury take on East Coast. Third division football. 
Look what they do in Rotoria. Look what they do in the East Coast. Brilliant. Brilliant. And it's probably because you've got nothing to do with it, really, New Zealand rugby. is probably the reason it is succeeding. Stop being so arrogant, rugby. Start listening. The game cannot survive if it's just about the All Blacks. Yes, you've got to have top down to inspire the next generation, but you've got to have bottom up to have the succession plan. Stop bowing down to these players who want sabbaticals. Just assume that they're injured and pick somebody else. Please, NPC final last night, 0800 150811. Don't jam all the phones at once, please. Okay, it is 14 minutes away from 2 o'clock, 0800 150811. Um, Chad, Provincial Rugby Championship. Apparently rugby's a religion in this country. People jump up and down when the All Blacks lose. That seems to be the only level of engagement that is left now, or maybe if the All Blacks have a very, very good performance. And I'm taking a stand People need to stand up to New Zealand rugby. This has got to stop. Two provincial unions, potentially in the black, the rest in the red. What changes to the NPC would you like to see? I think what everybody would like to see are the All Blacks playing. We'd like to see our top players playing rugby. You know, we've got a team touring the Northern Hemisphere and last week, Akira Wani told not to play for Auckland in the semi-final against Wellington. I didn't think he'd played a lot of rugby this year, to be honest. But this stuff has to stop. If the NRL boys can do it every week, the rugby boys can do it most weeks. Then we're going to have Super Rugby kick off again. And the only clashes that are going to be worth watching are going to be the New Zealand clashes against each other. There'll be a little bit of interest in Moana Pacifica and the Fijian drawer, but not a lot because the novelty factor, I think, was this year for those two teams and it's probably worn off now. So where to with the game? And how sustainable is the All Blacks' dominance at international level if we continue to dumb down and erode the layers of rugby that sit below the All Blacks. I'd like to have the discussion, but clearly it's a really nice day around the country and I get it. I think rugby to the average sports fan has been very disrespectful over the years and I can understand why now you've lost some interest. You can text us here on double eight double three. You can phone the program oh eight hundred one five zero eight double one. Now, coming up after two o'clock, Brad Hudson's going to join us on the program out of Wellington. Now, Brad is somebody who is heavily involved in the local club scene. 
in Wellington, does a lot of live streaming, a lot of commentary work at a, at a club level and provincial level down there or at a club level. Real lover of the game. So what does this performance from Wellington mean to him? And how strong is Wellington club rugby? And what does this mean for Wellington rugby going forward? So we'll do that at 2 o'clock. Some other talkback topics that I do want to discuss as well in and around rugby, which will also open up between 2 and 3. It is six and a half minutes away from 2 o'clock. I'm just going through this All Black 15. I'm going to touch on the word All Black after 2 o'clock as well. I cannot believe that your loose forwards are Dominic Gardner, Billy Harmon, Luke Jacobson, Christian Leo Willey, Marino, Michele Tool, and I just sit there and go, is there just a really, really strong Canterbury influence here? Because how the hell, how the hell do players like Duplessis, Karifi and Peter Lakai not make this team? I just scratch my head. Is this based on potential? Or is this based on form? These selections. I, I, I thought Brody McAllister and George Bell, who are the two hookers that have been named in this All Black fifteen, I thought were pretty damn ordinary yesterday. Absolutely destroyed by Asafa Amua, who is the third hooker, or starting hooker for this All Black fifteen, has just been pulled into the All Blacks' cover. But I cannot believe that Bayer Plenty Kurt Eklund doesn't end up making that squad. Oh eight hundred one five eight double one is the number after two. And please, New Zealand rugby, while we're on it, stop using the word All Black for teams that are not the All Blacks. All Black fifteen, All Black sevens. The problem is, international media just reported as the All Blacks. And if the All Black 15 or the All Black 7s lose to Fiji, Samoa, Kenya, United States, Canada in 7s, or lose to Ireland and the Barbarians on the end of the year tour, it just gets reported as the All Blacks lose. And so then what's the perception? Well, the perception moves from hearing the legend of the mystical All Blacks and their invincibility to suddenly going... Boy, they're vulnerable these days, aren't they? The All Blacks got beaten again. Boy, they were beaten by Canada last night and they were beaten by the United States. If you're going to start franchising the word All Black, then you need to make sure you franchise the resources as well. You need to make sure those teams don't lose. Those teams live up to the same standards. And again, it's just all part of this cash grab. Let's take the money, but let's just slowly erode the All Black brand. Short-sightedness and greed I'd love to know who the brand manager is within New Zealand rugby where their expertise comes from do I sound annoyed and grumpy I am because we had an NPC final and no one cares and I'm not blaming you the public I'm blaming Sky Television 
and New Zealand Rugby. Sky because they're complicit in being a PR firm and New Zealand Rugby for simply not caring. Yes, congratulations to Wellington getting up and winning that MPC comfortably in the finish, 26 points to 18. Dominating display, just had such wonderful momentum heading into last night's final. I've been a little bit frustrated maybe by the lack of engagement or whether or not people actually do care about the MPC. Um, and it's not your fault. I keep saying it's New Zealand rugby's for making New Zealand rugby so top heavy. I said earlier that perhaps... You know, the only true fan left in New Zealand rugby is Graham Patterson out of Christchurch. But there is one more. There is one more. His name's Brad Hudson. He does a lot of commentary in Wellington around club rugby, a lot of streaming of events, incredibly passionate about it. He has his own podcast called The Huddy Hui, which has featured the likes of Dylan Hunt, um, Alex Nangaville. He's had Peter Lakai on the program. Uh, he's had referee Ben O'Keefe. And I know that he was absolutely thrilled that his Wellington Lions got the job done yesterday. So we've got him on the program just to try and put this in context for him um, and learn a little bit more about this very, very good Wellington team. Brad, good afternoon. Welcome. How are we? Oh, good. Thank you, Mark. It's a pleasure to be on your show. And uh, I'm still in uh, an absolute uh, over the moon with that uh, win last night as a Wellington fan. Since 2000, we've been in nearly nine finals and lost them, and we've finally done it after 22 years. And I would say that that performance last night surpasses that 2000 final. They were simply amazing. This young Wellington Lions side, the forwards, really turned up, and we never allowed Canterbury a chance to play their game. And even though a typical Wellington side, we nearly made ourselves nervous in that last five minutes. Um, but it was simply amazing. It's been a long time coming and uh, over the moon. Absolutely yeah. amazing. It's not very often that an opposition outthinks a Canterbury team. Um, I was lucky enough, actually, I was working for Nike at the time to be at that uh, final against Canterbury back in 2000 and when uh, Wellington did get up and get the victory. But, yeah, I mean, when, when this Wellington MPC squad was named at the start of the season, I mean, you have a lot to do with club rugby. Did you feel that they had that squad? Did you feel that was a good reflection of what you had seen locally? Uh, locally, we've got some very good young players coming through. Um, we thought at the start of the season, a lot of us that are very loyal Wellington fans, the weakness might have been our front row. Um, and we did get some players go down injured at the start of the season, and we called in uh, Pet Cowan, the former Wallabies prop. He played a few games for the Lions last year. He only played the one club game for Petone, uh this season, and his influence on that side really was the turning point for the Wellington Lions. Um, our forwards in the first sort of three, wow, three rounds were outplayed. Um, who can forget that Northland game at Pyrrhura Park? We were the Tarifar just absolutely outsmarted us at Pyrrhura Park in appalling conditions. And for many, that thought that might have been the Lions' season then and there. But Pet Cowan, he's obviously, and Paul Tito as well, the forwards coach, have really turned around that forward pack. And the likes of Xavier Newmere, a product of St. Patrick's College, Wellington, um, who's been in the Hurricane setup for a few years and he's probably played nearly 80 odd games for the Wellington Lions. He's finally come of age and he's really stepped up. And he was named the Wellington Wellington Rugby Lions Player of the Year at the awards two weeks ago. And the front row department has really done the job. And I think the icing of the cake is it doesn't come very often 
but the 72nd minute, we destroyed a Canterbury scrum, absolutely destroyed it, and got a penalty. Even my uncle, who was on holiday in Wanaka and wasn't watching the game and thought Canterbury would win, he didn't believe me that a Canterbury scrum was penalised by Wellington in the 72nd minute. Yeah. So the yeah. forwards have really turned it around mm. since that Northland game. Yeah, I've just been talking to former All Black Shane Howarth and he talked about the loose forward trio here of Duplessis, Karifi, Peter Lakai and Caleb Delaney and just how they're sort of working so brilliantly and collectively. Uh, Tell us a little bit about Caleb Delaney. Caleb Delaney uh, hails from Nelson and this is a young guy who's played his trade for a number of years with OBU. Um, He was identified at a young age by the Wellington Academy as a player of promise. Um, he made his debut for the Wellington Lions in, 2000, in uh, 2020. Um, but this, he got selected for the Hurricanes at the end of last season. And he's been through this academy set up with the Hurricanes. And he's just grown and grown. He's just consistent. A consistent player in the sixth jersey. He can play lock as well. And what was key also last night was Caleb Laney's steals, early steals at the line-out for the Wellington Lions. He's a quiet achiever. And he just goes about his business. And he's a very intelligent, astute young man who's studying at Victoria University. Mm-hmm, yeah. You must, it must frustrate you, um, Brad, when you see this New Zealand or this All Black 15 being named and you run through the loose forwards that they have picked and that the likes... Um, you know, that, yeah, that the likes of Peter Lakai, Duplessis, Karifi are nowhere to be seen. Uh, you just It's head-scratching. It is head-scratching, Mark. Uh, Duke C. Karifi, remember, he was part of the All Black squad for the Rugby Championship in 2020. He didn't get on the paddock at all, and <clears throat> he had a good MPC season for Wellington, and then he left, and our MPCs that season fell apart. Um, but this season, Karifi has grown into that captaincy. He's a passionate player. He's physical. And what was really key um, to Karifi's game last night was setting up that first try for Ruben Love. He managed to get that guard break and he managed to draw in the Canterbury defenders to send Ruben Love away. And that pass was just pure timing. I'm up here in Palmerston North uh, this weekend. Mark, I'm at the Sir Gordon Titchens uh, Seven Secondary School Sevens tournament here at Massey University. And Gordon Titchens joined me in broadcast uh, the last two days, and he said today that Duplessis Karifi should be in that All Black 15 or close to the All Blacks after that performance last night because it was just courageous stuff. And he's just everywhere, Karifi. He's in the tackles, and he's just been a real menace. And he's a player that I feel uh, deserves to be uh, representing New Zealand. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you said the wrong thing off the field or something. That seems to be what gets you out of the All Blacks these days. You sort of, it's not just about your rugby skills. You've actually got to ask the right questions or you've just got to bow down to the coaching staff. Um, maybe I'm being just a little bit cynical there. Uh, Peter Lakai, um, yeah, give us a bit more background on Peter. Peter Lakai is a product of the great school, St. Patrick's College, Silverstream. That's my um, former college. Uh, he's come of age since year, year 10 at Silverstream made his debut for the first 15 at year 11. He's a quiet, humble young man, very shy. I had him on the Huddy Hui a few weeks ago. I was quite surprised. He came on. He he uh, did on a Friday night before they played Southland. And he spoke with real honesty. And he just goes about his business. And he's got such a great personality. And he has just grown this season. He was named the rookie for, uh, player for 
the Wellington Lions this season. I thought he would have come close to being player of the season for the Lions, but I suppose he's uh, first year in the squad. Um, he probably can't take that title yet, but he really last night uh, and this season has grown in character. And I think one of the funniest moments of the game was when he got over the ball and had a holding on turnover. And he didn't yell or scream. He just stared at Brendan Pickerel and sort of implied, please, please, give me the penalty. And he got the penalty. Yeah, yeah. And a no, great young man, no, was, Peter Larko. And he should have got the bloody penalty as well. I'm not sure why it took yeah. the referee so damn long. <laughs> he, he had every right to it. He, he didn't come in from the side. He was... Yeah, no, he had every rights to the turnover. Uh, look, um, I, I think one of the big issues for me, as we saw it yesterday, you know, down there in Christchurch, it wasn't even half full for that final. We've seen games in Wellington where you might have had three, three and a half thousand people. What is? Why are you the exception to the rule in some of your mates? What, what's going on? What, what's missing at the moment here, Brad? It's a very good question, Mark. I'm sort of probably an old man in a young person's body. I just love the MPC. I love the Wellington Lions. I actually like it more than Super Rugby. And I think it's just, it's more provincial. It's more about loyalty to your province. But I think the problem in our day and age, Mark, is we've just rugby overload. There's Mm. too much rugby, Super Rugby at the start of the season. Then we have the All Blacks. And then by the time the MPC comes around, um, people are quite fatigued. You know, remember those days of the late 90s when, you know, Carisbrook sold out for a, an MPC final. And uh, it was great, you know. And the other thing, too, is we don't get all our best players playing at MPC rugby all the time. We don't get all the All Blacks playing. And I think that's uh, it's quite a sad thing. That if we had uh, our All Blacks playing in the MPC, it would definitely bring more people along. I think the other thing, too, as well, is uh, society in itself has changed. There's a lot more yeah. going on as well. And um, yeah, and it's just about how New Zealand rugby are going to try and address getting people back to our provincial game. You just look at the um, the Heartland Championship, and you're still getting people along there at those small grounds and big numbers. And also, you go to the likes of um, Hawke's Bay. I went to Hawke's Bay two years ago to watch Wellington take on the Ranfurly Shield, and it was near sold out on a Sunday afternoon at 2.05. Mm. We ended up losing, but um, what a passionate crowd, and it was just awesome experience to be there at McLean Park. And I think in Wellington, one of the problems is we've got a 35,000-seater stadium, and we're not getting a lot of people along, and we sort of need to think about taking the game around more to uh, the different regions in the Wellington area, rather mm-hmm. be out into the lower hut. We've, we've gone to yeah. Pyrrhua Park on a few occasions now, so I think it's about time maybe we look at taking the game out to where a lot of our local community rugby is. Yeah, no, well said. I'm just watching this um, Heartland Rugby Championship at the moment. East Coast leading mid-Canterbury 17 points to 10. There's almost a crowd in there, in and around, standing around, probably as big as what you might have seen yesterday for the MPC final. Uh, yeah, look, I mean, to me, MPC should be should be the focus. Get rid of Super Rugby. Let's put the emphasis back on the MPC. Let's get back to what back to what it once was. You know, find that model where you can somehow bring a commercial element into it, or a sort of a corporate ownership only at sort of the you know only at the actual shop window within your actual um, MPC sides. But something just has to change here because you're the, the second person this week who has said to me, "Don't prefer the MPC over Super Rugby." Agree, Mark. And something does need to change. It really does um, for the survival of our provincial game um, because 
you know, we might have had some money come into our provincial unions this year. But New Zealand rugby do need to really think about this competition. We've got so many good young players coming through. And it was good to have a more one joined together competition this year rather than a premiership and a championship. But we need to figure out how we're going to get people back watching our provincial game. Mm-hmm. Well, Brad, lovely to have you on the programme. Do appreciate it this afternoon. Thank you. And congratulations also the Ramfilly Shield to go with a remarkable season for your Lions. Oh, it's been a fantastic season for the Wellington Lions, the Ranfilly Shield and the NPC title. It's been a long 22 oh. years, but we've got to enjoy it this long weekend. Yeah, yeah, OK, but are you going to enjoy it just on that? Is there going to be a ticker tape parade here? Is there any interest in that? I mean, what happens now? How do you celebrate this as a hardcore fan? What are the opportunities? Well, well that's the question, Mark. 22 years ago, there would have been a ticker tape parade. Remember Norm Hewitt broke his arm in that final? He and did. He, got, he did. He broke his arm and... Uh, Ruth Dyson wasn't happy about him playing with broken arm, but uh, that was Norm Hewitt. He was tough, yeah. and he wanted that title. And there was a ticker tip parade. There was one when we run the Ranfilly Shield from memory in 2008. I'm highly not sure what will happen here, but when they did run the Ranfilly Shield this year, they took the shield out to Parramatta Plymouth on their, on their way home on the bus from Napier. And I suspect that's probably what they will do. They'll take the cup around to the clubs and celebrate it there. Hey, fantastic. Thank you, Brad Hudson there on the programme reflecting on the victory of the Wellington Lions. Telephone number is 0800 150 Uh Anyone interested at all? Too nice a day, perhaps? You all out? Is Brad right that we've just evolved? We no longer rugby racing and beer in this country? And therefore rugby's got a lot of work? Is there too much rugby on? I think there is. And I think you've got to stop throwing rugby at people. I think it's quality over quantity. Super Rugby, unfortunately, just doesn't have the quality anymore. MPC is still, I think, the product that's got the most potential where we don't have to rely on Australia or South Africa necessarily. It could end up becoming the equivalent of the English Premier League if we can find that balance between private and public ownership. Wellington fans, you must be seething that Peter Lakai, Duplessis Karifi, Caleb Delaney, nowhere to be seen in that all-black 15 that has been named. One of many. What does Jackson Garden Bishop have to do to get into this all-black 15? First fives, Bryn Gatlin, Damien McKenzie. What does Bryn Gatlin bring over a player like Fergus Burke for Canterbury fans? I'm struggling here. All I look at when I look at this all-black 15 that has been named is the influence of Jason Ryan, and Ian Foster's loyalty to the Waikato and to the Chiefs. I never thought I'd be saying that perhaps there is some provincial bias in some of these selections. I thought those days were gone. What needs to happen to get your interest back in the game here? Is it having the All Blacks play? Would that make some of these guys more exciting? As Brad 
Hudson just said, do we need to start taking some of these games to more recreational parks where perhaps the capacity is not twenty-five or 30,000, it might be 5,000. But take the game to the people. Certainly reduce some of your costs. And if we're going to continue down the path of this NPC and not have our All Blacks play, should NPC be professional at all? Should it just be an amateur comp with some costs covered? Remember, rugby was a very successful product for 105 years as an amateur game. 0800 150 is the number taking your calls. And guys, don't all rush. Take your time getting to the phone. I know you're desperate to talk to the NPC. I know the passion is just running and flowing through your veins. Give me a call. Afternoons with Staffy. Mark Watson with you. After three o'clock, we'll talk cricket. We'll celebrate that very good victory by the Black Caps over Australia. I can tell you it is the Heartland Championship at the moment at East Coast taking on North Canterbury, and it is East Coast leading by 17 points to 13. And against the runner plate, penalty goes the way of North Canterbury, and they get themselves out of trouble. They were camped on their own line, haven't found touch from the kick, however. We'll keep you updated on that. Got to say, great crowd, and they play rugby the way it should be played, and it might just be one of the last areas in New Zealand that really celebrate it for the game that it is and for the community and what it means to the whole region. East Coast have just scored in the corner to go up 22 points to 13 over mid-Canterbury. Mark, good afternoon. Welcome. G'day, mate. How are you? Good, thank you. Yeah, I was just want to have a quick chat about the Wellington rugby win last night. Yeah, please do. Yeah, what a great victory that was for the Lions. Um, long-time Wellington rugby sufferer here, so it was great to see them get the wood over Canterbury finally, especially down in Christchurch. I think most people in um, the country are pretty happy that Canterbury were beaten, and that's that's and, and and I guess while there's that level of animosity towards Canterbury, it's only because they have been so successful, and so they should rather than getting upset by that, take that as take that as actually a sign of respect. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think your last caller, or your last guest, um, hit the nail on the head with the NPC. Like, we were at the um, semi-final against Auckland at the stadium, and it's just such a big stadium for such a small amount of people, and that would have been so much better played out at the Tony Rec or rugby. If there's somewhere else in smaller ground, get all those people there, I think you'd draw a much bigger crowd. Yeah, well, look, I remember when North Harbour just played at Oniwa Domain, uh, just in Takapuna and Auckland, and I remember going and watching the 94 final when it was, you know, the war on the shore, which was brutal. Great Auckland team, great North Harbour team. Auckland won, but, man, there was just such an incredible atmosphere in a small boutique-type ground that didn't perhaps have a lot of resource but made up for it just in character. And, yeah, there was just something, um, yeah, it just had a real community feel about it. Yeah, I think that's where Indy rugby are going wrong. Like the Hurricanes need to be doing the same. They need to be playing in Palmerston North and getting up to Napier more often instead of just parking up at the stadium and getting the same small walk-up crowd in. Mm. They need to get the product out to the people and yeah. yeah, look after the fans a bit more. But you've also got to have your All Blacks playing, don't you? Imagine taking you know a game to 
uh, where did you say? Sorry, I don't know Wellington that well. What was the Hut Recreational Ground, was it? Imagine go, yeah, but imagine yeah. going going there and you had your Artie Severs playing and you had your Geordie Barretts and some of your other Hurricane or Wellington-based players in that team. I mean, admittedly, I'd imagine Geordie's probably playing for Taranaki when I think about it. But you know what I mean? If you actually had those All Blacks that were out of Wellington playing and you're playing at the Hut Rec Ground, imagine the crowds, imagine the level of engagement, imagine people talking about it. Yeah, it'll be massive, and and that's how you get the next generation, you know, signing up to the Tony Club to carry on playing because they've seen their heroes playing at their ground for their club, you know. So, I think, I think, yeah, New Zealand rugby need to take a look at themselves and just sort of take it back to how it was because that's sort of well, if 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 they if they switch onto Sky Sport one or two at the moment, they will see. East Coast taking on mid-Canterbury and it's exactly what you're talking about. This is the model for the way it should be at certainly at an NPC level. Yeah, yeah. All right, mate. We'll hey, have a good rest of that. Mate. Yeah, you too. Lovely to have you on the programme, Mark. Thank you. Uh, let's go to Tolaga Bay, not too far from where this um, Heartland Championship final is being played. Ed joins us. G'day, Ed. Hey, how are you, man? Um, sorry, bro. I'm, I'm, not, I'm from Tolaga Bay, but I'm up in Auckland. I'm working. Oh, okay. And I just flipped on your radio. And then you just said the case we're winning seventeen thirteen. I said, "Oh wow, yeah!" Well, it's it's now twenty two thirteen. Oh, bro, because well, I'm an East Coast player. I played rugby for the East Coast. Oh, good on you. Yeah, no, look, I've got, yeah, a, I've got a friend of mine, a journalist, Neil Reid, who writes for the Hill. He's just mad on it. He's down there, mate. He just loves it. It's like a brotherhood down there. You know, he's as wide as they come, but that whole very strong Māori community, welcome them in, mate. It's, it's, you know, it breaks down all these negative stereotypes that pe- perhaps people have about certain parts of the country or certain sort of um, tribes, etc. And uh, I, it, it, look, it, it's what needs to happen right around the country at all levels. Well, because... Because we're the coast, bro, we get all the cockies and all the all, all, all the farmers. Yeah, so, you know they all come down and play rugby, man. So we're mixed. Yeah, uh, no, but every but everybody gets on, mate. You know what I mean? Everybody respects each other. Yeah, I mean it's not always going to be a hundred percent, but we just get on, don't we? None of this. You know, rugby just brings everybody together. It brings the community together. I mean, what I love down here, you've got people sitting on horseback, you know, watching the game. You've got. Kids sitting basically on the oh. sideline, almost where the TMOs are, and or the sorry, the ARs, the assistant referees are. There's no, there's no security there checking to see if you're trying to sneak in a a, a salad roll or a bottle of water and making you feel like a criminal if in fact you do get caught. Oh, brother! Um, last year I got invited back to play in the um, centenary hundred years for the legend. What position did you play, Ed? Uh, well, I'm a lock. Are you? So yeah, I played lock. Yeah, so um, hey, guess who was my locking partner? You tell me. Steve, Steve Lancaster. The great Steve Lancaster. So did he come back at the end of his career and play a bit, did he? Well, um, well, I, I was getting bruised because he's a big, tall park. If I was like, when did he play for the case against 20, 21? I was like, what? Bro, he was invited by Bailey Mackey. Brilliant, brilliant. So where are you now? Are you in Auckland, did you say? Yeah, bro, I'm working. So I just pulled into my yard so I can, uh, and I just flicked on my radio and, and when you told me to score, I said, yes, way to go, boys. Get up, get up. So you, do you, and so I thought, pardon? Do you still have your jersey? Oh, no, all my gears, man, they were given away. Bro, this was 1993 when I put on my jersey, bro. Oh, fantastic, mate. How many games did you play? Well, I played one season. I played 10 games, the full season. I was player of the year for the East Coast. I got to go away and play um, Central District's Mouldies with um, Ray Falcon and uh, his team, Norm Hewitt. 
played sevens, played sevens in the national sevens, and then um, and then the next year I went and played league for Uawa. Oh, Tolaga Bay. Oh, good on you, mate. Hey, it's lovely to have you on the program, mate. See, see you are actually in genuine. This is what you're what rugby's lacking now, mate. We need the personalities. We need the characters like yourself. We need the players from a bygone era. Um, you know, it, it's great radio. Oh. Great radio to have you on as well, mate. Love it. Cheers, man. And it was it was great to see the boys this year. And and hello, Jose Gear coming back to coach them. And ma nonu and oh wow, all these cool fellas. Yeah, oh, oh, look, but it's one of those regions, man, that everybody just loves. You know, you cannot dislike the East Coast. And you talk to the Auckland teams that have gone down in their past and maybe have taken the Ranfurly Shield down in some of these pre, you know, pre-season games. And you know Auckland are going to win by 50 or 60 points, but they reckon that the food and the kai that they put on, you know, the seafood, everyone talks about the seafood and the local right, iwi and the way they welcome everybody in, you know, and it's like, hey, it's our town, but while this is on, it's your town. And I just love that attitude. Oh. It's true, man. And because the coast, they host games all the way up. I think one of the best feeds I had was, uh, well, we had when we hosted North Otago. And mm. boy, Kai Moana was on mm. that day. See, that's, if that's just, just to play East Coast. That's just the incentive alone, just to get on the bus, just to be able to go and at least have the lunch or the dinner. Fuck the motherfucker. Sorry, bro. Um, my boys are saying we're out. So okay. It's the end of the day. And, um, yeah, go to the East Coast. What's it? Have you got another update for me? 20, 20, 23, 13, 17 and a half minutes remain. Woohoo! I'll tell you what, he's a young fella place for the cast. He's in about 52 games now. Um, oh my gosh, I always, I always forget his name. Sammy Park. Sammy Park. He's a gas, mate. He's a gun. I didn't bring in that bugger. Oops, sorry. I shouldn't say that. No, uh, oh, hey, Ed, lovely to have you on the program, mate. Brilliant. Thank you. You're welcome. There you go. It is. 2.30, you're listening to SENZ. Telephone number is 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. Bit of Phil Collins, is it? Genesis. Genesis, of course. But, yeah, one and the same technically, aren't they? Um, not too well these days, is he, Phil Collins? Looks a bit sort of uh, broken down. Uh, just updating the Heartland Championship. 67 minutes gone on that. East Coast leading mid-Canterbury, 22 points to 13. Good game of rugby, actually. I genuinely say this is just a wonderful advertisement for the game. This is what it needs to be. We've got to find a way of somehow taking this model and replicating it around the country. And as the arts are taking it out of the big stadiums, the NPC, and taking it to smaller club grounds, whether that be in Dunedin, whether that be in Christchurch, certainly in Auckland. Imagine playing some NPC on the top field of the Auckland domain or bottom field of the Auckland domain by the museum. You've got some natural embankments uh, it would the union it would save the union a hell of a lot of money I don't think they're really that concerned by people paying to come in it's more the cost of having to open Eden Park up the security all the rest of it I always remember talking to a member of the Auckland Rugby Union who was in charge of finance and it was about the final round before the semi-finals, and this probably would have been about 10 years ago, and Auckland were actually in contention. They were playing Canterbury that week, uh, that week, and they said, look, if we beat Canterbury, the great thing for us is that we will get a home semi-final, which will be a huge benefit for us because we just, you know, side struggle to beat us at Eden Park. He said the downside is... If we do get the semi-final at home, it'll cost us $100,000. 
0800 is the number. Text that's come in from Chris. It's New Zealand rugby that gas, that uh, put me off rugby. They're the most arrogant piece going around in New Zealand sport. Zane, good afternoon. G'day, what I um, I don't know if you remember me, mate, but I used to text you every night back in the old night train. Um, yes, days yes, yes, Japan. I do. Yes, I do, Zane from Parapara Umu. Yep. Yep. First time I've ever had a chance to talk to you, so um, thanks for all of the um passion over the years, mate. I've always always enjoyed your shows. Um, so I thought I'd better give you a call out a chance. Hey, um, I grew up in Upper Hutt. We had the biggest, I believe, um, amateur rugby club in the Southern Hemisphere back in the seventies, eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, I never sort of left home without a rugby ball in my hand, but about five years ago, I don't know what happened, but I completely fell out of love with Union. Um, so obviously I'm not a, a big follower of the NPC, but I did turn it on last night to see the boys um, take that. But uh, my take is that I don't understand why I'm such a fanatical Warriors fan after 25 years of mediocrity, but I just cannot miss one of their games. So why have I lost touch with the, uh, with the rugby I think it has to be the tribalism. Mm. Um, as, as you mentioned a bit earlier, if you started like playing, you, you had no super rugby, you had all of your top players in there, you didn't pull them out halfway through, um, you built that tribalism, you played in local grounds where you could just walk up with a packed lunch and your own drinks and you didn't have to you know, go through the concrete jungles. I think you'd start to get people in there, play the club, um, you know, first, what do you call it, the premier um, club games as curtain raises or the first 15 to get people down there as well. If they don't go back to grassroots, we're screwed. Yeah, uh, look, I agree. As I said, we've New Zealand rugby, in the name of the bottom line, have moved us away from being rugby fans now to just All Black fans. And if the All Blacks, and within that, they've then you know they're now putting so much emphasis on the World Cup that it's actually now okay for the All Blacks to lose. So it won't be too long before we erode that as well. Um, yeah, uh, uh, sorry, sorry, just just on just on the NRL. I think part of the reason too with the NRL is even if you've got a crap side. You're coming up against a team. You're coming up against teams every week, which are just full of absolute superstars within rugby league who are promoted well, who are marketed well. So even if your team loses, you can sort of sit there and go, "Well, I just saw, you know, um, yeah, I just saw Lottie Takiri play, or uh, whoever it might have been yeah. from yesteryear." I think that's the other point. It's, it's, I watch every game of the NRL, man, not just even the Warriors. But the other point is their agility to react to fans' reaction about rule changes that they put in place to make the game more entertaining, whereas you've got world rugby. Here's my take on it. How, how do you have five or six guys ahead of the guy carrying the ball in a rolling mall not be offside? You can't bring it down legally. They just wander around doing that. You've got this whole rule. The I, I, only game of Super Rugby I watched this year was the Auckland semi-final to see a guy standing flat-footed the attacker gets the ball without him having any time to react, runs head first into the defender's head, yet the defender gets recarded. So that the rules are just not made yeah, yeah. to keep the game entertaining. Yeah, look, uh, just Whereas go- NRL, they're agile. Yeah, with, with uh, look, just going back to the rolling mall, you're 100%. It's basically legalised shepherding, isn't it? 100%. Um, I can't comprehend that. The flat scrums, you know, the NRL are, are, are agile, they'll change the rules if it doesn't work. Halfway through the season, I'll get rid of it. Whereas world rugby, you honestly wonder what the hell they're thinking at the time. So it does come down to them, not just the New Zealand, um, whatever they call themselves, rugby union these days. Yeah, uh, but but, but, but to... rugby rugby league's just a lot easier to follow. It's a lot more simplistic, isn't it? It's it's 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think the video refs and the bunker and stuff have sometimes complicated it. I think that you know, when, totally. I think totally. referees have lost their natural instinct and intuition now. And um, my biggest frustration with a lot of it is the game is not played in slow motion. So if you are going to watch it, watch it on full speed. If it looks like a try, it is a try. But yeah, rugby. One hundred percent. But rugby. Yeah, oh, yeah. Look, I think the other thing too, as a country, though, we have evolved, haven't we? And this is where, you know, smart businesses will go out and they will get a bit of a read on change and social change and and people's lifestyle. And there's a lot of research companies set up to help companies go, hey, where are the trends? We need to adapt. We need to become the Madonna of all brands. I mean, Madonna was hip in 1984, and when she releases music now, she's still hip because she finds a way of um, still being able to relate to the 20, 24-year-old, et cetera. But, but I think half the problem is you're not but, paying someone to do it. Yeah, Get but, in there and actually meet your fans and, and, and talk to them face-to-face without paying millions to some guys who will spin it. You know, you hear the passion of these people on the ground. A guy like you, mate, you're only passionate because you want it to be better. You're not doing it to take the piss out of them just for the sake of it. No, Yet I'm not. Yeah, you correct. Know, they'll stonewall you. Correct. I, I, I just – I, I, I am just a purist. I, I, I'm just – I know – look, New Zealand rugby, you know – they're just custodians. We own the game, and every New Zealander is entitled to have an opinion. And these All Blacks that come out and say, oh, what do you know? You've never played. It's like, well, okay, so don't you then have any issue with the government because you've never been a politician? I mean, it's just a dumb argument, but that's also almost the mentality of New Zealand rugby as well. But, you know, through Sky Television, through Satellite TV, through YouTube, every kid, now we're exposed to about four or 500 different bloody sports. I mean, there's downhill mountain biking, there's cliff diving, uh, there's skateboarding, there's every sort of well, extreme sport you can imagine. So every kid, and then and then we're starting to get more success across a lot more sports at the Olympic Games. And then, so people are saying, oh, look, in New Zealand, I was able to do this and at the Winter Olympics, maybe that's the sport I want to play now. And then you've got the concussion issue with rugby. And, and yeah, and then at the same time, to make matters worse, they just don't listen to the consumer or they just continue to bury the products that were once very successful. I mean, if you're going to lose plane numbers, if you're going to lose people to other sports, the way you get them back is make your product more attractive. Well, you actually put people in charge of the game with half of a brain for a start, but hey, you won't get into that. Great to talk to you, mate. Lovely um, to have you on, Zane. I love it. No, appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, it mate. is 16 minutes away from three. You are listening to SENZ. Telephone number is 0800 150 is the number. There's approximately 30 seconds, 20 seconds remain. It is East Coast leading mid-Canterbury, 22 points to 20. East Coast have a penalty right out in front. Even if they miss it, that'll be time. There will be a party in Ruatoria. Stunning. Wonderful advertisement for the game. We will keep you updated on the penalty. Ben, we were doing a little bit of um, homework on why why um, we felt Bryn Gatland had been named as first five in this All Black 15 and couldn't understand why perhaps Jackson Garden Bashup hadn't been named or even Fergus Burke and You've done a bit of research and you've got a theory on why Gatlin's got picked over those other two. Well, it's actually a theory you use, uh, Watto, and I've heard you use it before. So I decided to use your algorithm you've you've proposed on air before and I've calculated the numbers and I think it literally comes down to Instagram followers. 
Yeah, it's probably about right these days with New Zealand rugby. Yeah, it will come down to Instagram followers. Be a good rugby player, but have a big social media following because we want to tap into it. Because Bryn Gatland has uh, 7,700. Yep. Uh, Jackson Garden Bishop just has over 4,000, and Fergus Burke just has over 2,000. So okay. I, I, have a, I have a feeling, based on your theory you've put, put on here before, I, I have a feeling that could be a reason. So you're suggesting train hard, be the best you can be, turn up, Week in, week out, but make sure you've got a really high social media following. Yeah, see, I'd never made the All Blacks on that, mm, mm. even if I did play you, rugby. You know we say it tongue-in-cheek, but it's almost got to that point, hasn't it? I mean, you've only got to look at the coaches these days that end up getting appointed in key coaching roles. How many of them come from a, a rugby background, uh, All Black background these days? Where is room for the club coach who's played 20 years in terms of getting his break at the next level and taking a pathway that a rugby player would take in terms of getting through to the All Blacks. And, you know, I think a lot of our real rugby brains out there are at a club level never to be tapped into beyond that because they just simply don't have the pile of they haven't been on the cover of Women's Day. 25, did I get my times right? 25, 20, so 30 seconds remain... No, they they did change the time. It's not you making that up. The time well, it had seventy nine forty on the clock, and then it went back to like seventy eight ten. Okay. So we got we got thirty seconds to go. Scrum feed to East Coast on halfway. They just need to pick and go here a little bit, and then put it into touch. I would have thought. Can't afford to give the tight head away, and just need to be smart. Little knock on at the base of the scrum wasn't no referee says play on. So they go one up off the ruck, East Coast on attack, numbers out to their left. Yeah, just go one off the ruck again. Five seconds remain until 80 minutes is up. Another opportunity just to run the clock down. Big barnstorming run coming from their tight head prop. Gets across the advantage line. Their replacement halfback again just feeds it off to one of the replacement props. Just got to be careful here. Don't want to roll the wrong way. Just need to make sure that the cleaners support the ball carrier. Now they chuck it out the back. They'll kick it into touch. It'll East Coast. We'll win it. And it is all over. And East Coast win the Heartland Championship by 25 points to 20. The crayfish, the seafood, the scallops, the oysters, the best party in all of New Zealand rugby is about to get underway in Ruatoria. The public on horseback come out onto the main field. Local iwi, European, all come together as one. Wonderful, wonderful moment for East Coast Rugby. Thoroughly deserved 25-20 over mid-Canterbury. A blueprint, a model for every other provincial union in this country. Take the game to the people. Don't expect the people to come to you in the big stadiums. The cemeteries with chips, as I like to refer them to. Anyway, coming up after three o'clock, Garth Galloway on the programme. We're going to look at this remarkable performance from the Black Caps. First win in Australia on Australian soil since that Test match victory in Tasmania in 2011. It just shows the fickle nature of T20 cricket. But what I think we've seen is a very, very conscious decision to play positively. The message has finally got through 
that New Zealand need to play positively, that we can't be conservative. And if there's been any criticism of Gary Stead and Kane Williamson, it has been the conservative approach, the conservative selections and the way we approach the game. And then you can have your say on the cricket. Absolutely stunning day. We're going to look at the English Premier League as well. Not a good day for my Liverpool team, getting beaten by Nottingham Forest, one goal to nil. All I'll say, Ben, on that is, big fan of Nottingham Forest in terms of their history. Want to see them stay in the English Premier League. I think it's better for the competition. And maybe that win over Liverpool might just kickstart their season because they're still anchored in the top three and have been anchored on the bottom for a bit. So it hurts me to say it. Um, But yeah, hopefully that means that Forest can maybe get some momentum and maybe down the line a little bit beat some of the other big clubs as well, like Manchester City, United. I bet you'd be praying for that. Yeah, well, I think we're well and truly done this season in regards to, you know, we're fighting for a top four place if we're lucky in Europe. Um, But yeah, really good performance too from Everton. Frank Lampart getting up over Crystal Palace, three goals to nil. We hear from Frank Lampart as well. The other thing I do just want to talk about after three is this whole sponsorship thing. We've just seen the sponsorship of Netball fall out because some of the players believe that it wasn't morally the right fit. And they've protested. And now a $15 million sponsorship has gone down the drain for Australian netball because one or two players decide to take the moral high ground. Dumb, 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 dumb. And the problem when you take the moral high ground is you've got to make sure that you're living a pretty perfect life because it's really easy to pick holes and show that you're a hypocrite based on your supposed ideology and belief system. We'll have a look at that after three. It's coming up to four minutes away from three now. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.